talking about listening this morning. Talking about listening. Elwood Edwards. Elwood Ed- Edwards. That's probably a name that none of you recognize. I would, I would just go out on a limb and say that name, unless you just happen to know somebody that name, it probably doesn't resonate, nor would it with me. But you may not know the name. But you know the voice. You know his voice. In fact, at one time, 27 million people a day heard the voice of Elwood Edwards. In 1989, his wife was working for a a little um, technology company called, I I think it was Qualcomm. And they they were starting this Um, web internet branch of the company to to provide, and keep in mind this is 1989, so very, very early days of of internet service. And his wife heard the, the CEO or one of the bosses, somebody one day say they wanted to find somebody to do some voice prompts. And, uh, she said, well, wait a minute, you should talk to my husband. Her husband, Elwood, had been in TV and radio most of his life, and he has, if, you've, if you have a chance, and I went back and kind of heard an interview with him, he's got kind of a radio voice. And with three simple words, he became one of the most recognized voices in America. Go ahead and hit it. You've got mail. Do you recognize that? You've got mail. That's Elwood Edwards. He also had goodbye and download complete, or there was a few commands. But at one point, 27 miles, I didn't realize AOL was still a company. I mean, they're still in service for us. Some of you have AOL. I, I just, I didn't realize it because they come and go so much. But at one point, AOL was the thing, and 27 million people a day heard his voice. That was 18,000 people a minute would hear his voice. And though you don't know the name, you probably, you know, most of anybody over the age of 30 uh, remembers that. Some of the younger ones might not. That might not be familiar. But you've got me out. It's a voice that that we recognize. In fact, that that we in some ways connect to, especially, again, those of us that either have or at one point had AOL, it kind of resonates with us because we remember that, that familiarity. And the point is the way that voice can connect to us. Any voice can, can connect and, and kind of move us in some ways. Agatha Christie talks about her sister when they were growing up. And her sister would go into this character as um, an escaped person from a mental hospital. But she said that she never put on a costume. She wouldn't change her clothes. All she did was change her voice. And Agatha Christie said, the memory of that still would send chills down her spine because of the power of the voice and, and how that connects to us. Now, I want you to keep that in mind as we read Psalm 29. Hear what the psalmist says about the voice of God. This is what he writes. He said, Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. 
The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory of the, the God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf. Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And his temple, and in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. And sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. And Lord, may this be our prayer that we would hear your voice today. Speak to us and give us open hearts and spirits and minds to receive your word. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. The psalmist recognizes with power and with Joy, because, because this psalm really is, is dripping with, with joy and gratitude for the, the, the recognition of God's voice and this powerful voice that, that rips the cedars, this mighty voice that is, that is over creation, but also speaks blessings into his people. The, the power of the voice and the, the, the power of recognizing that voice, that's what the, the psalmist is speaking to. The power of the voice. Erie Gardner was a lawyer, practicing lawyer. He also was a writer. Anybody know what he wrote? Um, he wrote the, uh, I'm blanking on the name now, the Perry, um, Perry Mason, thank you. Just one. He wrote the Perry Mason uh, novels, but he, he wrote them out of some of his experience. He was a trial lawyer, but he tells that he had a partner in law that would come to the trials very often and would sit next to him at the table. And when a witness was on the stand, he would not look at the witness. He would just look down at the table. And he'd have a piece of paper and he'd scribble notes to himself, but he would just look down. And every once in a while, he would nudge Gardner. He'd kind of put an elbow in his ribs softly. And Gardner said, I knew that when he did that, he was cueing me, that at that moment, the witness was lying or was, um, was exaggerating truth in some way. And he says the way that he, he could hear the nuance of the voice. He could hear the He said things that I would never pick up on, clues I could never find. He could hear the nuance and, and the changes and the significance of the way the voice revealed truth, if you will. And, and that's the, the power of voice. We know that our voices, everybody's voice is, your voice is as unique as a fingerprint. I don't know if you knew that. Your voice is as unique as, as a fingerprint. They have technologies now that are voice identifiers. In fact, on my phone, and maybe on your phone, uh, my, mine is an Android, and so it has um, Bixby, which is a voice recognition, kind of like Siri and other technologies on the phones. And when you first use it, it has to train itself to recognize your voice. You have to read sentences and your own cadence and your own rhythm because your voice is unique. And we know that because we learn how to hear 
voices of others. There are voices in your life, people in your life, whose voice you can pick out of a crowd. I've told the story before of, of realizing this very, very powerfully when I was young and, and Tony and I, Ryan was just a baby and I was playing softball in a softball tournament and there was, you know, it wasn't a huge crowd, but I was, in, I was an outfielder and Tony was there in the, in the stands and there was a lot of noise, but I could hear Ryan's cry. I could identify, I knew that voice because I'd heard it sometimes way too much. <laughs> um, but, but you learn, you know that, the uniqueness of the voice. And, and you know this too because you know when someone you love, whether it's a parent or a spouse or a friend, you know by the way they call your name if you're in trouble. Don't you? Right? You, know, you have that way that we're like, I know it when I hear Chris. Okay? When I hear it in a certain way, I pretend not to because it's safer. We, we, we learn to identify the voice, to recognize the voice and, and the power and the significance of the voice. That's what the psalmist is talking about. I recognize the power of God's voice. I hear God's voice. I celebrate God's voice and, and not just the power, but the blessings that it speaks. The significance of learning to hear from God. The scriptures are full of the stories of men and women who heard the voice of God, sometimes in powerful and it seems um, impossible to miss kind of ways. Moses at the burning bush. Elijah on the mountain. Saul of Tarsus, who we know as Paul, and the voice of Jesus that encounters him on the road to Damascus. These, these stories over and over, and there's so many of men and women who heard the voice of God. And I know, for me, I want to hear the voice of God. I want to recognize God's voice speaking into my life. My problem is I want that voice to come as unmistakable as a voice in a burning bush. I want it to be as clear. I don't know that I want to hear what Paul heard on the road to Damascus. You know, Paul, why do you persecute me? But, but I want to hear that kind of a voice. And I think that's what a lot of us desire but the truth is that, that that's rarely the way God speaks to us. I'm not saying it's never the way God speaks. I've had people share stories of hearing an audible voice of God. But I will tell you, I've never heard that kind of a voice. It's never been an outward in, but it has been the voice of God that I've heard. And we need to be open to learning how to listen to that voice. Learning how to to hear that voice the same way that we do in so many other ways in our lives. Because rarely does God's voice come to us as unmistakable as we would like it to be. But that no less diminishes the truth that God still speaks when we are willing to learn how to hear. When we are willing to learn how to hear. There's a, a story from G George Bernard Shaw's play on Joan of Arc. It's called St. Joan. And she's being questioned by one of her inquisitors. And she's talking about how she heard the voice of God. And the inquisitor looks at her and says, that's just your imagination. And Joan says, of course, how else is God going to speak to me? 
And the, the point of the thing is, it's, it's not that this idea that it comes, but that very often God speaks from the inside out. God speaks into our lives in ways that, that, that are not as obvious as we'd like them to be, but are no less real. And we learn how to hear from God by cultivating our relationship with God. Well, how do we do that? Well, it's the obvious things that you, that you know, probably. We learn how to hear from God in worship. We learn how to hear from God through the reading of the scriptures and allowing God to speak through that. I can't tell you how many times people will come up to me after a sermon and will say, you were speaking to me. The truth is, I'm never speaking to you. The Holy Spirit might be, though. I'm speaking to us. When, I'm, when I say I'm not speaking to you, understand what I mean? It's like I, I've told you before, I never, I never write a sermon and go, this is what Steve needs to hear. There's probably a lot of those, but this is not how I do it. Not how I do it. I, I don't write a sermon and go, this is what, sometimes I do write, let me, let me take that, sometimes I write and go, hey, this is what I need to hear. Um, that, that happens. But, but I, don't ever, I don't ever target you. No matter what you think, how personal you think I'm getting. I promise you, I have never targeted any of you individually as a sermon for a sermon. But God might. And if you hear that, good for you. Because that says you're learning how to hear from God. You're learning how to hear. Worship and, and the community. You know what else we hear from God? We hear from God through others. To others that speak truth into our lives in love, that, that sometimes challenge us, sometimes encourage us, sometimes lift us up, sometimes, um, well, there's sometimes those voices knock us down a peg. But we learn how to hear from God through the community, through the scriptures, through worship, through prayer, through, through times of reflections and the ways that you feel close to God. But God still speaks in the very same ways the psalmist writes, the power is the voice of God, but the significance is learning how to hear that voice. Do you have a desire, do you have a hunger to hear from God, and are you cultivating practices in your life that allow you to do it? And that does vary some, from time to time. Um, St. Benedict, in Benedict's Rules is in the monastery, said that use your, use your time washing dishes to hear from God. I don't hear from God when I wash dishes. But you might, and there's different ways, but are you cultivating it? And let me add a side note to that, because there's a, there's a, there is a danger in this. There is a danger, because I've had enough conversations over the years with people who've come up to me and said, God told me, and that's the first sentence. And then usually it's something God told them that they needed to tell me. And sometimes it's what God told them that they needed to tell me that I was supposed to do. Now, I don't deny that sometimes God will speak truth into my life to others. But I will say, be, be very, very careful with that sentence, God told me, because it can be spiritually manipulative. Because sometimes when people have done it and they've come out of left field with what God told them to do, the, the, the lead-in with that is, well, God's telling me, so you can't question me. Because if you question me, then you're questioning God. If I go up and say, well, God told me, and you say, well, I don't think so, well, you're questioning God. So there does need to be some litmus with our evaluation, our, our, our reflection on what God is telling us. And here's what it is. The first is this. Is it consistent with Scripture? 
When you hear from the voice of God, when you think you are hearing from the voice of God, because again, rarely is it as clear and, and as obvious as we want it to be, the question becomes, is it consistent with Scripture? The, the whole Scripture, the, 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 the arch of Scripture, because the reality is you can, you can make a case for any behavior from Scripture. You can what we call proof text. You pull a Scripture out of context, and you can, I, I can make a case that if your kid talks back to you, you can stone him. <laughs> From Scripture. Okay, that's in there. But, but we know that's not consistent. That's certainly not reflective of who Jesus is. Is it consistent with Scripture? Here's the other question, or one of the other questions to ask. Does it glorify God? And here's the hard part of that. Does it lead me into humility? Does it glorify God, and does it lead me on a path of humility? Because remember, we're called to the way of Christ. I've talked about Philippians before. It's one of my favorite verses. Have the same mind in you that was in Christ Jesus. And the rest of that part of that chapter talks about the humility of Jesus, who did not equate equality with God as something to grasp it, emptied himself, humbled himself. So if our behavior is to reflect Christ, it must be humble like Christ. And a lot of us, me, struggle with that. We want to elevate God and kind of, well, if I can come up too, that's good. You know, if I can look good in the process or if I can get some accolades and some recognition. But does it elevate God and lead us on a path of humility? And here's the last. Is it confirmed by the cloud of witnesses, by the community? Are other people hearing what you hear? Well, that's, that's a test. But again, I, I've had conversations with people who have come out of, you know, God has said, and they've come up with stuff that I'm like, well, you know what? I, I'm fairly familiar with Christian history, and in 2,000 years, God's never told anyone else what you're telling me right now. <laughs> we need to evaluate that. We need to learn to be discerning. But the truth is, God speaks. God still speaks. You know, today is the first Sunday of Epiphany, or the first Sunday after Epiphany. Epiphany was yesterday. Uh, so it was the end, January 5th ended the 12 days of Christmas. We always think of Christmas as a day, right? Christmas is December 25th. Really, Christmas isn't. Christmas is 12 days. Hence the song, the 12 days of Christmas. And so on January 5th, Christmas ends, Epiphany begins, and that's that Saturday. If you watch the news, that uh, the Greek Orthodox Church up in Tarpon Springs, they do their dive for the cross, which, boy, did I feel sorry for those young men this year. <laughs> There's some years I'm like, well, that's not so bad, but that was like, you really, really want to get that cross blessing if you're going in right now. But, but Epiphany ends. Epiphany marks in, in the Western Church, it, one of the things it marks is the, the visit of the, the Magi to the baby Jesus because it marked the declaration of the incarnation of God to the Gentiles. The Magi represent those outside the Jewish faith. And, and so that's significant for, for the Western church because most of us are Gentiles. But the interesting thing about the wise men is that they learned to, to see the signs, if you will. They followed the star. We love to depict that scene as this big, unmistakable bright star that's just camped over the house or manger. You know, that's just, you can't miss it. You know, that, that's, 
that's, that's the way we see it. Well, the reality is nobody else saw that star. So there, there's very little belief that that's what it looked like. But, but there was something in the, in the celestial being in the skies that they saw that they recognized a comet, an alignment of planets, something that told them there was something different happening. And we need to respond to that. They had learned to see and to recognize what was happening in the heavens. I love to look at the stars. But you know what? If I went out tonight, I went out uh, a couple nights ago and it was a beautiful, clear evening and I was just marveling at the stars. If I went out tonight and it was a beautiful, clear evening and some of the stars were in a different position, I'd have no idea. None. Because I don't study the stars. <coughs> Haven't learned to recognize those things. But they did. I think the voice of God is so, so often very, very similar. That when we learn to hear, we recognize that voice. But it's not always in the clearest and most obvious ways we want it to be. It's subtle and it's powerful and significant. But very often, it comes from within. Are you practicing learning to hear? Are you asking God to speak? Are you asking God in your prayer, speak, Lord, and let me hear. Allow me to hear from you. Billy Graham has said that one of the, 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 the most, the highlight of his life of his ministry, of his walk with Jesus, among all the things that he's done and the crusades and the, you know, relationships with presidents and thousands upon thousands and millions who have heard him speak. You know what he said? That his greatest joy has come from the moments when he hears God speak to him. When he has a communion with God and he learns to hear, and he has learned to hear God's voice. Do we have that same hunger? The psalmist had that hunger. Do we have that hunger? I want to leave you with a, a story. Um, a young man went to speak to an older, wise pastor. And um, he, was, he was angry. He was angry because he was in a tough place in his life. And he's pacing the floor back and forth. And he says, I've asked and I want to hear from God. And God hasn't spoken. Why hasn't God spoken? pastor sitting there he just he just said something but it was inaudible to the to the young man who was pacing the floor and and he stopped for a moment and he said i'm, I'm sorry i i didn't hear you and again the the pastor spoke in in a whisper and and the young man still couldn't hear it so he said i still can't hear you and so he came close and he put his ear right next to the pastor and the pastor for a third time said, sometimes God whispers and we have to come close to him. Sometimes God whispers and we have to come close to him. Do you have practices of coming close? Have you sought to come close so that we can hear the voice of God? Brothers and sisters, God speaks. My prayer is that we will learn how to listen carefully. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we, we do, we talk so much about hearing from you, but, but so often we don't instill the practices that allow us to do that. Time of prayer. Time of, of reflection. Time of seeking out the counsel of others. Even reflective worship. Lord, help us 
to learn to hear from you, to know that you still speak if we are willing to listen carefully. We pray we will listen and listen well. In Christ's holy name, amen.